Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com slash WNYC and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com slash WNYC and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. We had kerosene poured on our hair and we were told to sit on a chair, still naked, and our long hair was cut off. And when they put the water on me, it stung even worse. They did not care. They didn't bat an eyelash. And they said, if you cry, we will whip you. How many of you went to school and had your hair cut off by those people and put DDT, pesticide, in your hair? This was later banned by the U.S. government as a dangerous pesticide. And that nun just chopped her hair real hard. So it cut a piece of her earlobe off. And so the girl was just screaming and blood and everything was all over. That was my first introduction to boarding school. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright, and welcome to the show. The people you just heard are describing their orientation into boarding schools run by the federal government. Between 1819 and 1969, the U.S. government removed thousands of Native children from their families and their tribes with the intention of stripping them of their culture and forcing their assimilation into whiteness. And for the past couple of years, the U.S. Department of Interior, which oversaw the Indian boarding school program, has begun finally wrestling with this history. In 2021, Secretary Deb Holland launched the Federal Indian Boarding School Initiative to not only document the history, but to understand its ongoing impact. As part of that effort, Secretary Holland has been traveling across the country on a year-long tour to hear directly from survivors and their family members about how the boarding school program affected their lives. The recordings you heard at the start of the show came from one of those listening sessions. So far, Holland has gathered testimony in Native American communities in Anadarko, Oklahoma, Pelston, Michigan, the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota, the Gila River Indian community and the Navajo Nation in Arizona, and the Tulayup Indian Reservation in Washington State. 
We're going to listen to and talk about some of that testimony in this week's show. And listen, I should say that some of it is hard to hear. You've already experienced that. It includes descriptions of physical and sexual abuse. So please take care. But that said, I hope it helps us consider an important question. What can national healing around this history actually look like? What could reparations for the affected families and communities look like? This will be the first in a series of segments we're creating in partnership with KOSU in Oklahoma, looking at the impact of these boarding schools. So I'm joined by Allison Herrera, who is the Indigenous Affairs Reporter at KOSU and has been covering Secretary Holland's listening sessions. Allison, thanks to you and to the folks at KOSU for working with us on this important reporting. Thank you, Kai, for having me on today. And I first just want to say um, that, you know, I am not an expert on this subject. There are so many other people that have reported on uh, the boarding the boarding school initiative. And I just want to, um, you know, I am standing on the shoulders of so many people who have talked about their experience in boarding schools and have been touched by their stories. And it's not something that I take lightly um, mm-hmm. in my reporting, And but I'm really happy to come on here and talk with you about it today. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that work. Well, first off, why is this listening tour and the broader project that the Department of the Interior has launched happening right now? What what sparked this? Well, as you mentioned, uh, Deb Holland has launched the Federal Boarding School Initiative in 2021. Um, You know, Deb Holland became Secretary of the Interior that same year, which oversees the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Um, You know, she was first elected in 2018 to Congress as part of this wave of women. um, And she, along with Sharice Davids from Kansas, were two Native women um, to hold these um, congressional positions um, were elected to Congress, which is pretty historic. And Holland is the first Indigenous person to oversee, to be in this position, mm. to be the Secretary of the Interior. It's usually been white men that have held this job. And so shortly after she took office, you know, this was in 2021, there were these horrific revelations of mass graves of children at a residential school in Canada called Kamloops. And it's just awful. And so she then began the Federal Boarding School Initiative and directed her staff, including Assistant Secretary Brian Newland, who is from Bay Mills, um, Secretary Holland is from Laguna Pueblo, um, to to start looking into this system, to report on that system. And along with the number of schools that each state had, um, they partnered with the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition, you know, to to do this work. Um, And they've been doing it for the past couple of years. And then shortly after that, you know, in 2022, um, they released this report, which is over 100 pages. And then, as we heard at the top of the hour, they embarked on this, um, what's called the Road to Healing Listening Tour, Mm -hmm. Um, so she told the Arizona Republic after her visit um, there this past January that she this was something that she was the most proud of, you know, that as she since she served as the first Native American um, cabinet secretary. But this isn't the first, you know, boarding schools, you know, are an open secret in Native communities. Native mm-hmm. people have talked about them for decades. Um, I, I remember in 2018, the, the issue of boarding schools came up when it was discovered that the United States was separating children from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. Right. And I remember a group of women in this group called Matriarch protesting against that. And so all of these stories started to come out then about Indigenous people having their children taken, um, you know, and experiencing the federal boarding school system. Um, 
And I, I, you know, I've interviewed some survivors in Minnesota from that are from the Boys Fort Band of um, Ojibwe community in northern Minnesota, um, and they talked about their experience. Um, you know, there's several boarding schools uh, in Minnesota that, um, you know, that they've talked about these horrific experiences of going to these schools. And so, and and this is, I think, really personal for Secretary Holland. Her right. own grandparents were forced to attend boarding school, and it's obviously she carries a you know tremendous amount of responsibility um you know for all these people who have shared their stories and you know this isn't the end and it's also i think you know she leads the agency that was responsible for this system so i think that um again just it's a huge responsibility and i think that's something that she's really um proud of and has really been overseeing to make sure that it's done right and that people's stories are taken with a lot of great care yeah well, we we will get into some of the details on that um, as as we go forward. But I want to play some testimony you heard during a listening session held at Riverside Indian School in Anadarko, Oklahoma. Yeah, it was, and I'll just say it was. It is very difficult testimony to, to listen to, this and so is, I just wanted to reiterate for listeners: please um, take care. And and so the school opened in 1871. It's still in operation. Uh, one woman at the event had her mother on the phone, and she held it up to the mic so that she could uh, offer testimony. And so this is some of what she said, and she begins by speaking in Navajo. <laughs> Ado tona hakade e shogan ado ko ana darko halka hetkail e yakeshte I introduce myself to you in my native tongue because I am very proud that I can still speak it I entered the boarding school system 56 years ago and um I could have lost my language but I retained it because my mother never spoke English. And as I grew older, I had to translate for her. I was five years old, did not speak a word of English when I was put into the Lower Greasewood boarding school on the Navajo Reservation. Whenever we went to our class and we tried to speak our language, our elbows, our wrist, whatever, was whacked with a ruler. It is true. We lived through that. It is true. And in order to control our unruliness, our, our misbehavior, we would have to stand at attention for long periods of time in the hallway. And it was very hard, I mean, being five years old and being introduced to something totally foreign. But I made it through. I made it through. But it's good to talk about it. It's good to talk about it now and to let other people know what we went through. It did happen. It is true. It is true. Allison, we're we're gonna talk about this uh, testimony in some detail after we take a break. But what what is the just your initial response to what you're hearing in that testimony? I'm struck by the fact that she was just five years old when 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 she was put into this school. 
I mean, can you even imagine, like, you know, uh, I mean, I have a child. I, I can't even imagine having my own child taken from me. And yet this was federal policy. This was something that the federal government did to take land away from Native people. And they did it at the expense of Native people. They took their culture, like she said, that she took their language, um, separated them from their children. Um, in one report that I read from 1928 called the Miriam Report, that which was fairly critical of the reservation system and the boarding school system, they talked about um, that, that policy of separation of making children not recognizable to their parents, like separating mm -hmm. them for so long that they didn't even recognize them anymore. And so that's what Lorenda went through. Lorenda and many other people like her. Not even recognizable to their parents mm -hmm. is, is yeah. the striking language. Well, there is a ton to discuss about this, this history and its ongoing re relevance, but listeners, we want to we wanna get your help in thinking about how the United States could repair this damage that was done at these schools. Uh, and as Allison has said, we know this is hard. So uh, we thank you if you want to chime in, if you or your family has been affected by the federal Indian boarding school program, what would repair look like for you? And first off, do you even think that the federal government should provide reparation? If so, how should it happen? Would it be money? Would it be more investment in Native education? Maybe it's better mental health resources that should be offered to boarding school survivors. Maybe it's none of those things or all of those things. You tell us if you or your family have been affected by the federal Indian boarding school program that ran until 1969. This is not ancient history. We'll take your calls and talk more with Indigenous Affairs reporter Allison Herrera of KOSU in Oklahoma after a break. Stay with us. Hey everyone, this is Kusha. I'm a producer. We want to hear from you about this episode. If you have experience with the Federal Indian Boarding School Program, especially if you're a listener from a Native community, we'd love to hear your own experiences and perspectives. That could mean sending us a message about your take on reparations, or what your experience was, or something else that this episode has brought up for you. Here's how. Send us a voicemail. You can record it right on our website. Just visit notesfromamerica.org and click on the green button that says start recording. You can also record yourself on your phone and email that to us. Our email address is notes at wnyc.org. However you want to talk to us, we hope to hear from you and potentially use your message in a future episode. Thanks as always and talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. But I still feel that pain. I still feel what this school did to me. 
and I'm not ready to forgive this girl for what it did for anything. And I don't care how much money it takes. I will never, ever forgive this girl for what it did to me. Language was taken. If they can promote that back, they need to do it. Identities were taken. You almost come out with a survivor's remorse because I know there's children out there um, that have been buried at these schools. Where state and federal lands are owned, where boarding schools now reside, those lands need to revert back to the tribal nations for a direct administration. Those places need to be re-sanctified and consecrated back to our sovereigns. Welcome back. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright, and we are talking this week about the federal government's Indian boarding school program, which operated from 1819 to 1969, and the abuse that many people suffered during the program. There is much to discuss about this history and its ongoing relevance, some of it quite hard, so do note that descriptions of physical and sexual abuse might be part of this conversation, so please take care if you are listening. Listeners, we also want to hear from you if you were affected by this program. We want to know what you think could repair the damage done if it impacted your life. The U.S. Department of Interior has been holding a series of listening sessions to gather testimony from people affected by the program. Reporter Allison Herrera has attended and covered some of these sessions as the Indigenous Affairs Reporter at KOSU in Oklahoma. And we're partnering with KOSU to produce a series of segments covering this important moment. And Allison, we are asking listeners about repairing the damage done, but what, if anything, has already happened? What has the federal government done or said they're going to do with this history? Well, I think, you know, we've listened to some testimony there, and I think the road to healing is part of the federal government's initiative, just to hear from survivors themselves. Um, I think that... um, producing this report. Um, They've also, uh, I know, part of one of the initiatives that the White House um, put put forward was to invest more in uh, Native American languages um, for the Native American Languages Act, which was passed in 1990. Um, I I think they pledged more money for that program. Uh, And in fact, I know the Cherokee Nation has you know, invested some of that money to invest in their language program. And so that's one thing that's already been Mm -hmm. done. Again, I'll just go back to that. This, the road to healing event is part of part of the initiative. You know, hearing from survivors. Um, you know, collecting this testimony. Um, I do know one thing that the Department of the Interior is going to do is they're partnering with the um the National um, Endowment for Humanities to create an an archive. Um, you know of oral history of mm. testimonies and have digitized all these records. Uh, it's not clear what is going to happen um, with the testimonies yet, if they'll be available for the public, if they're going to be at the the Smithsonian's Museum, of, you know, National Museum of Native American, or or if they're going to be, um, you know, part of the National Archives. So, I, you know, those are two things that yeah. I know have been done. I know that, there, you know, again, there's a bunch of different initiatives that the the boarding school recommends um, as part of this, you know, longer uh, initiative. So, um, and and, the, and it's not done yet. They have another report that they said that they're going to release um, before the end of the year. And just to, as a thought experiment, I mean, what is even possible here? Is there a, is there a model of a country that has addressed something like this before? 
Uh, well, there's Canada. Um, you know, Canada in 2008 um, undertook the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. From 2008 to 2015, they... Um, they went around the country and they collected testimony from survivors, just much like uh, Secretary Holland is doing right now. Um, and then this this became part of a uh, this archival of this all of the research, all the documents, all the testimony that they collected became part of this like federal report. You know, became available. And then also they they had the Indian residential settlements, Indian residential school settlement agreement. I think which was like in the initially it was like eighty six thousand um, First Nations people in Canada were um, were awarded you know billions of dollars in a mm-hmm. class action lawsuit. So that is one model, but again, you know, how do you how do you come up with that number? Um, right. How do you determine who how much money people get? You know, uh, and I I talked to one um, survivor of the residential schools in Canada a few years ago, and she told me she remembered seeing a notice from her bank that the money was there, and she told me she didn't feel even right about touching that money wow. or using that money because she felt so it, it was just like just just the the pain of that experience and like that they were paying her off, you know? And so it worsened rather than repairing the damage. uh, Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a big, you know, it's a big question. Um, So I think when we ask about what reparations looks like in this country, I think that it has to be led by survivors. I think that secretary Holland has made that pretty clear. Let's go to Kyle in Minneapolis. Kyle, welcome to notes from America. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for calling. Did you have an experience? Were, were you or your family affected by this program? Yeah, my grandma was born in a um, reservation in Michigan, and I guess it's a non-federally recognized tribe. I don't know exactly what the ins and outs of that means exactly, but um, either way, uh, she was taken when she was really young from her family, like um, you guys have been discussing on this program, and uh, kind of shipped all over the U.S., um, how it has affected me is me and my me and my siblings when we've tried to um, get uh, scholarships for Native American uh, students when it came time to go to college and grad school and whatnot. Um, we are I personally have not been able to take advantage of any of that because one, my grandma was taken away from her family, and two, um, she was a member of of non federally recognized tribe, whatever mm-hmm. that means exactly um so yeah that's that's the long and short of how that's affected me and do you have an opinion about as this you know as 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 we begin to explore you know what how do you repair what has happened um do you have an opinion about what what reparation would look like for your family you know i think i think two things i think um having the data about like whether it's census or personal information about like yeah your loved one was a part of this tribe, whether it's federally recognized or non or not recognized. Um, I think that would mean a lot to my family just to like know, hey, this is this is my grandma's family and this is her lineage or whatever, because um, it's pretty tough to find. Um, secondly, you know, I I am certainly not the only person dealing with this issue. So I'm, and I'm, and I'm already through college and grad school and all that. So that's fine. But I feel like for the future generation, it would be really useful to, um, for people like 
like me later on so that they would be able to take advantage of um, the educational programs that the U.S. government provides for, uh, for Native American students. Thank you for calling, Kyle. Uh, let's go to Cynthia in Winona, Minnesota. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Yes, hello. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm calling because my story is slightly different. My my ancestry is Cherokee, and my great 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 grandmother was taken from her family, and um, and given to a white family and educated through um, boarding schools before that happened. And you know, I I feel that I think it's really under estimated the generational trauma that that act created her daughter then went on to be um given over to a white man at 12 years old to be married to him and she had her first baby that year and 24 more and uh, and then her you know son was one of my great grandfathers and uh, uh, this set up generations of um poverty sexual abuse um, chemical abuse. There were so many things that cascaded from those acts of just really chaotic childhood that I think that mental health counseling is something that would be so beneficial for anybody, even no matter how many generations uh, away from that, because of the very long lasting generational effect that these acts have had on families. Thank you for that. Thank you for calling Cynthia. Uh, Allison, mental health um, that Cynthia raises, I imagine has come up a, a great deal. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to share another, I think it's a good opportunity to share another piece of testimony and then talk a little bit about mental health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another piece of testimony that you heard in Oklahoma, um, from someone who sought out mental health care, uh, to help process their experience. I have struggled every, if it's not every single day, it's every week on trying to get, um, good uh, help for myself, mental help, the psychiatrist, the therapist, they're not familiar with what is going on to this day. Um, There's very few and far between that do. Now, I have one therapist that she is very familiar because she was around Indian people on the reservations with the Diné tribes, you know, but, um, you know, and then I also see a therapist that is affiliated with the urban and tribal. Uh, he's native himself, so of course he's, he's familiar with, you know, what we went through. Um, and they've labeled me with pretty much every dysfunctional behavior you could probably have. What does happiness feel like? What does it feel like to have a parent, to grow up with a parent, your mother, your father beside you, all the the years that you've had, and what does that feel like? You know, what does happiness feel like? What is, uh, you know, because uh, these are things that I don't know. So, Allison, again, you know, this it's just, it's intense stuff, but there's a lot of questions about mental health, I can imagine. You were nodding along um, when Cynthia was talking about intergenerational trauma. Let's start there. How often did have we heard in testimony stories like Cynthia's? I mean, that is... You know, that is what happens when somebody attends boarding school. I mean, I, I interviewed Brock Plenty and her daughter, Neela, and they, t- and Neela talked about intergenerational trauma from her mom. I, I've talked to other um, children of boarding school survivors who just talk about not being able to, you know, feel like they can't like hug their parents or like their parents can't, don't have the ability to, you know, hug or be close to some of their children. And that can result in like, 
you know, or that they suffer from, um, you know, alcoholism or, you know, are like trying to, you know, people who have come through these schools do what they can to cope. And then, you know, they they pass that trauma on to their children. And I think I talked with Brought Plenty and her daughter, Neela, they're just beginning to talk like Brought Plenty is. That's who was in the clip. Mm -hmm. She's just beginning to talk about what happened to her with her daughter. Um, and she talked about, you know, the the inadequate mental health care that she got. Um, and I will just say, you know, I, I've heard from some people that Western style therapy it maybe isn't the best option. Mm you know, for for Indigenous people who have survived these schools. One, uh, Lorenda, who I met later on at this powwow in Tulsa, at the Tulsa powwow, she said that what has helped her is um, ceremonies or coming to an event like the Tulsa powwow, um, being around other Native people, being able to talk to them about these experiences so that they can relate. Um, you know, at the event that I went to and Anna Darko in the Indian Health Service was there and they had, you know, they had trauma-informed care for survivors so maybe that's something that the indian health service can um do, do a better job at or have mm -hmm. have more availability for survivors but you know some people don't get their care through ihs they they go um you know they go elsewhere and so what you know i think that's a very big question and i think that's something that needs again um needs to be led by survivors and what it needs to be led by survivors is there is there a conversation about that anywhere now in terms of like, is there some place where survivors are leading that conversation and coming up with some solutions that this is what we would expect from the federal government in terms of helping? I'm sure that there is. I have not reported on that currently. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, uh, last summer, actually, uh, the American Psychology Association held their conference in Minneapolis. And one of the um, people that spoke was this professor, Joseph Gahn. He's a uh, part of this um, Native American, I think it's the American Indian Psychology Association. I have to look it up. But he talked about, again, that maybe Western style therapy isn't the best way. Maybe it's like um, ceremony. It is going, you know, it is learning your language, you know, being able to learn your language again, being able to be in community with other Native people. I think that's probably, um, I would guess, if, you know, that that's the discussion that's happening. Um, I wanted to just to point out to something that the one of the callers mentioned about um, doing research. Yeah. The um, the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition is doing. Um, they're launching this website to. Um, the, the, I think this summer that's going to allow um, people to search for information on relatives who may have attended Indian boarding schools. So that is something that is. Um, you know, that will help survivors or children of survivors. I also should say that their website is a place where you can look for resources if you're yes. on your healing I, I, journey from this. Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. I, they partnered with um, the Department of the Interior because they had been doing this research and, you know, really partnered with the Department of the Interior to to bring some of these things to light. And just so that listeners make sure you you heard this, it's the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition. The website is boardingschoolhealing.org, and we will put that into the uh, link to that in the notes for our um, podcast episode when it drops tomorrow. Um, Allison, in the maybe minute we have left here, uh, What's next for the Department of Interior with this with this initiative? I think they said that they're going to release another um, 
of investigative report by the end of this year. They're going to continue this work. Um, they're going, they recommended more money for language revitalization programs, you know, to strengthen the Native American Languages Act. Um, they're going to promote research, you know, health research that it could, could impact the lives of those who attended, you know, to help them deal with that intergenerational trauma. Um, maybe that's something to better, you know, to do more research into what better mental health care looks like. Um, they're going to support the Native American Graves and Repatriation Act, which is critical to finding some of those um, unmarked graves um, and working with the tribes to make sure that they are supported when they do want to repatriate right. remains, like helping them identify that. Um, you know, we're, and as far as reparations go, I um, that wasn't talked, you know, la- as far as last money word, goes. Allison, we're going to have to oh, wrap up. <laughs> Um, I just think, yeah, I think any anything that goes forward has to be directed by survivors. And I think that's what Holland wants to do. So thank you. We will keep following this story. Allison Herrera is the Indigenous Affairs reporter at KOSU in Oklahoma. And you can keep talking to us if you have been affected by this at notesfromamerica.org. You can leave a voicemail for us right there. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on Instagram at Notes with Kai. Special thanks this week to our partners at KOSU in Oklahoma. We're working together on more episodes exploring the history of Indian boarding schools and the questions that history raises for right now. So stay tuned for more. Mixing and theme music by Jared Paul. Matthew Miranda was our live engineer this week. Reporting, editing, and producing by Karen Frillman, Vanessa Handy, Regina Dehir, Rahima Nasa, Kusha Navadar, and Lindsay Foster-Thomas. Andre Robert Lee is our executive producer, and I am Kai Wright. Talk to you next time. Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting, but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged.